0: The Satellit. You are listening to Satellite Sisters Word Ride Festival. This is our series of author interviews that we've done all summer long here in twenty fifteen. All right, up next we're talking to Erica Jong, but again for that free audiobook, you can go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters. Up next, my conversation with Erica Zhang. Boy, she takes us a lot of places, so hold on to your hat. You never know where she's going. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking to her. So, a word of caution there is some salty language, so I just want to let you know it might not be appropriate for the youngest listeners. But uh, for those of you who are adults, enjoy. It's really my pleasure to welcome Erica Zhang to Satellite Sisters. Uh, she's a hero of all of ours, but uh, particularly for me, she writes across all kinds of genres. Her new book, Fear of Dying, really touched me on so many levels. Erica Zhang, welcome to Satellite Sisters.
1: Thank you, Leanne. I, you know, I'm a great fan of Satellite Sisters. Thank you very
0: much. Well, you know, the more women's voices we have out there in the world, the better, right? Right. You know, today is actually your publication day for Fear of Dying. You've written a lot of books, over 20 books. Uh, you've had big 25. books. I counted last night, 25 books. Oh, my gosh. So is it still exciting then to have a new one out? Terrifying.
1: Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> fact, Leanne, it's so exciting that I, I can't sleep. <laughs> That's good, right? No, it's not because I'm an eight-hour girl. Okay. <laughs> Eight hours. I could even, when I'm writing and I'm doing yoga and working out and doing weights and getting a massage and writing, 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 I can sleep nine hours a night. And I seem to need it. And I'm a big dreamer. That comes through in the book, yeah. I'm a big dreamer. And it feeds me creatively, I think. I think dreams feed us all. And I think multitasking is killing us. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I can tell you, honestly, I've been up since 2 a.m. worried about talking to you. But now I'm not worried at all. <laughs> it's you're
1: like sh- talking to a friend. So you're I was so nervous about this conversation. worried about talking to me because, you know, I'm a woman. I'm the mother of a daughter. I have a granddaughter I adore. And I want to – I want Bet, my granddaughter, and Molly, my daughter, and Samantha, my stepdaughter – and her adorable daughter, Francesca or Franny, I want them to not have the obstacles I had.
0: What I way, want way. them
1: to have a clearer path to do what they need to do.
0: Well, you, you are one of the people we, we owe for that. But as one of your characters in Fear of Dying says, you hate, she, the character Isadora Wing, who people will recognize from Fear of Flying, says, oh, I hate being reminded of feminism every time I wrote a book. So is is that the way you feel? Like, oh, please, not another question about feminism, or is it a
1: mantle you wear willingly? I love feminism. I've been a feminist since I was a little girl. My grandmother and my mother, with whom I grew up, I grew up in a big extended family, European style, um, with my mother's parents. And my, father, my mother's father was a portrait painter, who worked on the third floor of our duplex with North Light. And um, my, my grandfather was Papa, my grandmother was Mama, and my parents were Ida and Seymour because they were radical bohemians of the 30s, okay? And the truth of the matter is that from the time I was eight, which my granddaughter is going to be in January, I was a feminist. And do you know what made me a feminist? No, what made you a feminist? My mother and my grandmother. My grandmother was a housewife and she cooked the most wonderful food and she chased the housekeeper around the house to make sure she got all the crumbs. (laughs) But my grandmother my grandmother honored women. She wanted a woman dentist, a woman doctor. Um, she wished she could have had a different life. And my mother Ida, a painter, um, and designer, and dress designer, and seamstress, and whatever, my mother used to say to me, when I was in art school, the head of the art school said to me, you're the best painter in your class, you're the best draftsman in your class, they said draftsman then, Mm -hmm. but you won't get the Prix de Rome because you'll have babies and waste your talent. So my whole life, my mother and my grandmother made it clear to me that women didn't have equal rights. So if you ask me, when did I discover feminism? When I was eight, I discovered feminism. And in high school, I walked around with a copy of Simone de Beauvoir's Second Sex. Whether I read it or not, I don't remember.
0: Oh, oh, you were that girl. Okay.
1: Okay. So feminism is in my heart and soul. Okay,
0: I was wondering, because your character, it seems like a burden, you know, at the end of the book, your character speaks that, but obviously, so much of your writing, all of your writing is really infused with it, from your essay writing, to your poetry, to your fiction. Um, Is it, do you love writing across genres, or can you focus on one at a time?
1: I would read my poetry, because my mother used to say to me, darling, your novels are my obituary, but your poetry, you're a great poet. (laughs) I,
0: I have been doing a short course in Erica Jong literature for the last couple of weeks. Well, I needed to bone up. I have been reading your poetry. It's fantastic. It's I don't read best. a lot of poetry, but now I'm going to read more of yours.
1: It's the best thing I do. And my poems are not obscure. And they, if if you read them out loud, you can understand them. If you listen to the many discs I've made, you can understand them. And the academics uh, turned on me after fear of flying. When I was a young poet, I won every prize. Mm -hmm. I read at the 92nd Street Y. I taught poetry at the 92nd Street Y. I was the younger poet everybody wanted to give prizes to. And then, Fear of Flying was published, and I became the happy hooker of literature.
0: <laughs> you know, I read that that you wrote that about yourself, and I, I wanted to ask you about that. Does that does it drive you crazy? I mean, first of all, it's an unbelievable phrase because you're an unbelievably funny writer, uh, in addition to being thoughtful and and you know just out there in terms of expressing yourself. But That's the ha-
1: philosophical, yes. But when that- I'm not reading poetry; I'm reading philosophy, <laughs> so- and science, and I'm I. You know the first section in the paper I open the science section.
0: So, so does that bother you now? Does that drive you crazy? I mean, was it just because fear of flying was so immensely popular that they they turned on you and does it make you crazy now that you have more to offer than that or is that uh, something you're at peace with?
1: Well, you know, women are always typecast.
0: Okay. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code SISTERS to choose your free-for-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Liz, you know we love talking about FrameBridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because,
2: because, because there are just so it, many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right.
0: Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting.
2: See why Framebridge has been
0: trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge.
1: Look, let's just give an example from the political world. All of Hillary Clinton's life, she has been an advocate for children and women. Mm -hmm. If you go back over her history and the people she was associated with before she became a politician. Her causes were women and children, the advancement of children, the advancement of women. What do they talk about when they talk about Hillary? Uh, They talk about
0: her husband. They talk about her hair. They talk about, you know, how she did this wrong and that wrong.
1: That email scandal, blah, 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 (laughs) criminal investigation, which is not true, the New York Times said they goofed. They said there was a criminal investigation there was none. If you remember Whitewater I do. Her supposed you know, because some people are too young to remember Whitewater but it was declared a complete sham at a certain point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ben She was accused of murdering Vince Foster. That was disproven. Whitewater was disproven. Look at the woman's history. Women and children and their advancement has been her history. Now look at what they say about her. This is what happens to strong women, women who want change, women who get too famous, women who are in the public eye, Sappho was called a slut and a lesbian. She was neither. She was the first love poet in our literature. Look at Edna St. Vincent Millay. Look at Emily Dickinson. Only one poem published in her lifetime. Really? I didn't realize that. One. (laughs) One. And the guy who wrote to her about her poetry, who was the top literary critic of that time, said your your poems are not really poems. Uh, You you write something not poetry. It's not poetry. Poetry is what I write. Because I have a cock, right? (laughs) Right. Right. Why is it poetry? (laughs) If someone with a cock writes it, and if somebody with a vagina writes it, it's not. Excuse me. I don't know if you can say, cock on family radio. (laughs) That's a... um, Well, you did now. So, no, that's that's okay. If someone with a penis writes it, it's poetry. (laughs) If someone with a vagina writes it, it's not. Okay? (laughs) This happened to Emily! Then
0: how do, you, how do you harness that sort of that outrage that you clearly have for good reason and then sit down and write a novel? Because those are very different. I understand how you can channel that into, you know, an op-ed piece or a Kindle single like you did a couple of years ago. But a novel is a completely different type of, of discipline. How do, how do you work those two sides of your
1: brain? You remember I told you that I need to sleep eight or nine hours? Yes, yeah. <laughs> right? When you write a novel, you go into the zone. And the zone, there's a guy, a psychologist once wrote a book about it. You go into the zone where time disappears. Your brain goes on a different wave. It's not an alpha wave. It's a beta wave. Mm -hmm. And you go into that zone. You read over what you wrote the day before. You sleep eight or nine hours a night. You wake up in the middle of the night after a dream and write it down. In that zone you transport yourself to ancient Greece or contemporary n- New York or 18th century England like Fanny, my favorite novel, Fanny being the true history of the adventures of Fanny Hackabad Jones. That is my favorite novel.
0: I'm writing it down. I know, now that I'm doing my short course in Erica Jong literature. Okay. <laughs> I
1: published that in 1980. It had a front page review in the Times. Anthony Burgess said, Zhang has gone further than Joyce. Wow. I invented a language for that book, a language of the 18th century, which was my field in graduate school. Okay. I'm not going to belabor this (laughs) point. What I'm saying is, in order to write a novel, here's what you have to do when you write a novel. You go into that zone. You get up early in the morning after eight or nine hours of sleep, and when you wake up, you know, because you have to pee, you write down your dreams, right? Mm -hmm. That's important because that feeds you. You know, it feeds your imagination. Dreams feed the imagination. But then you get up whatever time is most creative for you. You hear the birdies singing in Connecticut, I write best on fiction in Connecticut. And you read over the pages you wrote the day before, which you will hate. <laughs> you will hate them. But you try to say to yourself, I always hate them. And in the end, other people like them. I always hate them. I want to burn them, but I'm not going to.
0: Really? Even at this stage in your career, you you still feel that kind of I want to yes. burn the pages? Especially
1: at this stage because with each book you write, it gets harder. Okay. And Um, I don't know exactly why. I think partly because it's, you know about the trials of self-exposure better. Okay. It may be because I published Fear of Flying and the poets who had given me every prize attacked me. Mm -hmm. Right? It's envy. It's You can't have too much. It's If you're a woman, men get it too, by the way. But if you're a woman and you have too much, you're going to be burned as a witch. (laughs) Look look at our history. That's true. You're right. Look at our history. Yeah, The women who had the biggest houses, who knew the herbs, who knew how to birth babies, who knew how to find a woman's um, diseases. What did they do with them? Yeah, they, they, br- they, burned, they burned them. them. Mm-hmm. And in the eighteenth century, the period that was my speciality de la maison mm-hmm. when I was in graduate school, the accoucheurs mm-hmm. wanted to get rid of the midwives because the midwives had all the business. Oh, oh.
0: and they were suspicious and yeah, mistrustful and yeah, they didn't want women honing in on their, their action.
1: And when men, the, they were called accruciers, using the French term, of course, because they were so grand, they couldn't use the English term, <laughs> okay? When the men wanted that business, what did they do? They said that the women were witches. They said that, they, that it was an old wives' tale, that certain herbs and spices could relieve pain, whatever. And then... When they took over childbirth, women started getting puerperal fever and dying because the, the midwives just went from woman to woman. The surgeons, the accoucheurs, went from a sick person to a well person.
0: I thought you were going to say like a cow to a woman, which no,
1: they could have done too, just, right? No, no, from a sick person okay. to a well person because they were in the hospital and there were sick people. You know, this
0: book, Fear of Dying, is, uh, it's really a love story, which kind of surprises me. It surprised me at the end. Is that what you intended to start? You know, when you, it's a... It's obviously your main character, Vanessa, has, she's in a high-anxiety time of life. Her parents are sick and dying. Her older husband has an aneurysm. She has a daughter about to give birth. Her dog is sick. And yet, ultimately, it's really a love story. Is that where you're kind of at personally at this point in your life? Have you reached a point where you've made some peace with things?
1: Totally. But my <laughs> husband, when he read the edited manuscript, he had read many versions before it was edited. He said, it's a love story, isn't it? Oh, yeah,
0: it is. It really is. It's, it's you know, it's complex and uh, there's a lot happening. And yes, there is sex, people. But ultimately, you know, the main character makes some choices that lead to that.
1: She, in the book, Vanessa, my heroine, um, who has gone to this ridiculous website called Ziplocs <laughs> and met the craziest men she's ever met in her life. One of them wants to be a little dog and woof at her and pee on the floor. (laughs) One of them wants her to wear a rubber suit with zippers over the vagina and the breast. (laughs) One of them wants to be her personal slave and clean her house and wear rocks in his shoes. I'm not kidding. I know.
2: I read it. I know.
1: I'm
0: just (laughs) laughing. Yeah. Hello, Ashley Madison. Right. These are the people that are out there.
1: (laughs) Her friend Isadora Wing, who by now is sort of wise, says, We don't want sex, we want connection. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants connection. Yes, sex is nice, but what we're searching for in our lives is friendship, connection, souls reaching out to souls.
0: That is a wonderful friendship, a friendship. between friendship. Vanessa and Isadora. Is that the kind of friendships that you have in your life? Have you reached? I mean, it's open, it's honest, it's sort of no holds barred, but it is completely supportive. Do you do you have those in your life? Your female friends?
1: Look at the woman to whom the book is dedicated, and the man to whom it's dedicated. Okay, I'm looking now. Those
0: are your those are your connective tissues.
1: <laughs> my be- my BFF in the whole world is called Jerry Koretsky. And we now live on the opposite coast. She lives in in Portland most of the year, some of the year in Aspen. And she's abandoned New York. And we don't see each other as much as we used to. But as her boyfriend says, as Jerry's boyfriend says, they speak every day many times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's
0: my satellite sister. She is. She's your satellite sister. Absolutely. absolutely That's what it means. You also have a, I, I know we need to go. I know you're busy and this is your pub date, but I, I wanted to ask you one more thing. You, you've you written a beautiful like ode to your dog in this book. There's just a really super sad scene where your main character is sort of on the edge of all things and then she loses her dog. And that's just a critical turning point. Did you have a dog like the dog in the book, a big poodle?
1: Yes. Oh, any dog. and. Actually, I've used her real name, Belinda Barkowitz. Oh,
0: okay. Well, I like that you said she was a, a listen Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we, we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. The moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life, aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. (laughs) And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSisters for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about From their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at prose.com slash sisters. And prose is spelled P-R-O-S-E, prose.com slash sisters.
1: Thanks, prose. She was a doodle. She loved bagels. And she loved brisket. She knew she was a doodle. But the other thing that you have to know about my life, when you read my poetry, you'll see... I've written many poems about dogs. Mm -hmm. I will consider my dog Puchkin (laughs) and his long-lost brothers Chekhov and dog Stoyevsky. (laughs) That is one of my poems. Um, Hold my paw, for I am dying. Howl at the moon. Look, when you read my poetry, you'll see that animals have always been a big part of my life and that I am a dog person but I've also been a cat person. My stepdaughter had rabbits. I, I believe the animals have a lot to teach us about our planet and its preciousness, about our, our dreams, about our souls, and the preciousness of those, those things in our lives. I believe that if we can listen to the animals we will stop despoiling our planet. Filling all the honeybees. I go to my house in Connecticut, and I have lavender growing around my pool because I love the smell of it. Mm -hmm. Lavender, sage. And I have to tell you, I had two honeybees last weekend. Two. Mm -hmm. I used to have swarms. Um,
0: Right, yeah, that's a big honeybee attractor,
1: lavender. The Goldilocks planets, which we haven't discovered yet, as all physicists that I know have told me, there are no Goldilocks planets. (laughs) And if they were there, you know, not to to call just... Right, right. If they were there, we couldn't get there because the universe is so vast and we don't yet have the ability to travel through time warps as the science fiction writers had hoped. So, even if we discover Goldilocks planets, which is why I'm always reading the science section of the New York Times, we couldn't get there. You you know, this is it. This planet on which human beings have thrived, throve, whatever, (laughs) for many generations to the point where we have overcrowded the planet... I've written poems about that, too. Okay. We need zero population growth. We need to listen to the animals who are dying all over the planet, the polar bears, the dogs, the honeybees. You, you look around you. The birds. The birds are dying. Mm-hmm. Their shells are so friable that they cannot sustain the little chicks so you you look around you listen to your animals our animals the world's animals the god's animals and you say this is it folks pope francis francisco is right he took the name of saint francis of assisi one of the greatest saints who love the animals. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about Francisco. I'm proud to be Jewish. I'm not observant, but proud of my tribe. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my lifetime, we have a Pope who says, listen to the animals, look at the planet, smell the flowers, and what are we doing to our home, our only home?
0: Okay, I I feel bad now. (laughs) Now I'm depressed. Erica and I
1: felt like your book had a lot of hope. Denial I know make you feel better. Okay, you're right. I know. I know. Denial just make denial is taking a drug instead of going out and getting rid of these lobbyists. Denial is getting drunk instead of marching to Washington and saying, Save our planet. Denial does not ultimately make you feel better. You think it does, but it doesn't. I don't understand how human beings can deny our natural world. Species are going extinct at a rate they have never gone extinct in human history. In school, we hear about the dodo. Do we hear about the polar bear? My grandchildren do, right? right? Do we hear about the sea lions? Do we hear... You know, we'll have a planet that only has sharks and roaches.
0: <laughs> it's not funny. But but it funny. is funny. It is funny,
1: right, like you're right. Laughter Leanne, <laughs> laughter is good. Laughter is, is medicine for what ails. Denial if you can only survive by denial, you're a drug addict or drunk. Right.
0: There's a great line um, that your main character says that I thought I would adopt as my personal motto because I turned 50 this year and I've been through a lot of things that Vanessa has. I'm,
1: I'm, why 50 is the prime of life? Okay, so go. Good.
0: I'm so glad because the line is fear is useless. It's just a way of blotting out the present and living in an imaginary future. And you know, what you're talking about sort of in the macro scale is true, but also in the personal scale. It is useless. So that's what I'm going with for my
1: 50th year motto is that okay oh leanne look there is a prayer that we say that comes from sanskrit and recovering people use it and that prayer says live in this day a friend of mine calls it the blessing for the day live in this day because tomorrow is a dream and yesterday a vision Now, that comes from an old Sanskrit prayer translated into English. I don't read Sanskrit, so I don't know. I've even revised that prayer to say, live in this second. Live in this millisecond, because this is what we have. Yesterday is a dream. Tomorrow is a vision, or or vice versa. It doesn't matter. Live in this minute. In this minute, and if you can live in this minute, all happiness is yours.
0: Well, I know you have a busy couple of weeks and a very busy day today, so I want to thank you for your time. I really love you, Thank you your book. for
1: coming to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: on pub day, well, I wish you the best of luck. Not- good, good, enjoy these next couple of weeks. You can do it, you can get your eight hours' sleep, and you can touch a lot of people with your words and your new book, Fear of Dying. Erica Zhang, thank you so much for being on Satellite Sisters. Thank you. I never knew where that conversation was going and maybe that's the best kind of conversation. Thank you so much for listening to Satellite Sisters Word Write Festival. For a list of all the authors we've spoken to this summer, please go to SatelliteSisters.com. Lots more great authors to listen to. A-, a big thanks to Audible for supporting this entire series. Again, for a free audio download of Erica's book, Fear of Dying, or her poetry, you heard her mention it, you can go to AudiblePodcast.com forward slash Sisters. Audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters. Uh that was really a treat for me. A hold on to my hat kind of treat. So I appreciate uh Erica spending some time with me on her pub day. Hey, usually I don't do this, but I have some sort of outtakes and after the official interview was over. Um so you can hear that in the uh in the out music. And don't forget, call your
2: satellite sister.
0: Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. That was fun. I can't wait to listen back and, and make it all work. Thanks, Erica, so much.
1: Enjoy.
0: All right. Bye. And embrace the second. I will. I am. I know. 50 oh. bums me out, but
1: not anymore. <laughs> 50 is the prime of life. My daughter just turned 37, and she said, Mommy, next in a few years, I'll be 40. And I said, 40 is the prime of life. You are beautiful. You move beautifully you are sexual your children are in school all day <laughs> <laughs> good
0: point <laughs> enjoy it thank you i will i will thanks thanks so much bless you bye <laughs>